And I think, I think that's why performers like doing it, because it, it is not a one-thought song. You really do get to show what you're capable of doing about taking an audience with you. And, and it's a little, as, as Julia used to say about Steve Sondheim's numbers, they're little one-act plays, and I think this is a little <clears> one-act play. <throat> Um, it was a fluke, I don't know how that is. <laughs> no, but I don't mean that self-aggrandisingly, it's just, it is, it's what it no, sets out to be. Because I remember Don Black saying that you can't write a hit song in a show because the one you write will not be the one they pick up. It's like they, they thought another suitcase in another hall was going to be, this isn't a Don show, but Tim and Andrew thought another suitcase in another hall um, was going to be the hit. And really it was Don't Cry From Me Argentina that became the, you know, the, the phenomenal hit, which you'd never think was going to be a hit. And I think when we wrote this, we weren't, as we never do, we weren't trying to write a liftable song. Because, it, to, to be honest, it doesn't really mean that much nowadays, a liftable mm. song for a musical. You, you might get a No Matter What with Boys Own singing it, and you might get Michael, uh, Michael Ball doing a, a number. But by and large, it's very hard to make a, a musical song actually have a pop line. And so well, we don't give it up yet. <laughs> no, we haven't given up. We, and there's some very interesting um, pop artists now who are writing much better lyrically driven songs than, the, than there were a few years ago. But we didn't write this as a liftable song, but this and, and Doesn't Moment Become are the two most performed songs of ours, I would say, in auditions. I remember I was auditioning years ago, Anna Francolini, and she came in and sang quite a bit, and she had no idea who I was. <laughs> and, um, and I said, actually, where do you get the music from? And she said, um, oh, someone took it down for me. They got a recording, a pirate recording of Lindsay Haley. And I said, well, they've got the key change wrong here. <laughs> Imagine, it went up at that point. <laughs> like, I was showing off on you what a key change was. So I said, um, I borrowed was very good. So I asked her to call contact George and get a proper copy of it. Make it feel all upbeat and gorgeous. Mm, nice to hear your own songs in auditions, especially. especially I, find, I don't like it actually I'm because I feel either. all the eyes are on me and I'm now being judged. Well, perhaps it was it was good back then when you oh, yeah, there was a chance that yeah, people didn't probably, know who you and you could just kind of you know. Now. Nowadays, like, when people come in and they say, "Oh, I've got a song that you're probably going to recognise," <laughs> my heart sinks. <laughs> yeah. I just feel like everyone now on the judging panel is going to be thinking, "Oh, she's one of the lovely things about So Cinders is because we said no show songs. It's got to be a pop song. Mm. We wanted to true, see people yeah. because that's the sensibility of the show. We wanted to see what people could do with the pop song in a dramatic context, mm. and it's been really good fun. Although the number of times we've had "Forget You," Bruno Mars' song for CeeLo Green is just um, a ridiculous number of times. <laughs> but all good, and we have quite a few someone like you as well, haven't we, Adele? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I first heard the song in an audition. Actually, I think it was Meredith Braun was singing oh, it. Yes, Meredith White. Who's just released it on an album? Who has just released it on an album? Full circle. Yes. So this was this was about 1997, I think it was, and. Um, and I didn't expect the uh, the ending, you know. I think I think like why it, you know why I admire it lyrically is because I think lyrically and musically, even if you expect that there's going to be the the change around and she freezes, the music tells you that's not the case. The music tells you yes, it's going to happen. Yes, it's going to happen. And there's such a sense of momentum uh, and a sense of drive, and also the kind of optimism of the character. And latent optimism chimes with the with the optimism of the audience. So you do go, and then when she freezes, or froze, then it is a shock. And I think even if you, I, and I think, although it's a simple rhyme, and it's a one-syllable rhyme, it's not a rhyme that you would, would, would just land. It's, it's, it's mm -hmm. unusual enough a word, so you're not going to get there yeah, before Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's performer. what I thought. I thought, to me, it was an obvious one, because I knew what was happening. Yes. 
I thought they're going to behead him. No, and if but you... that's why it's like a nervous laugh that he gets. Yeah. I say it's not. It's not a belly laugh. It's a nervous laugh because they don't quite know how to respond. Mm. You could have done a full setup. You could have set up a fly rhyme, mm -hmm. and then the, just plonked frozen. Yeah. But I just don't think that would have worked no. so well. I think I think it is in there, but you somehow don't see it coming. I think you're absolutely right. I don't think you see it. I never see it coming. Oddly, yeah. it's <laughs> not that bit that ever worries but me. But the nice thing about the way this song lands in the show is it perfectly sets up when she has to fly because you also don't really see that coming. You know, we've had explained to us why she can't fly. They've kind of got back together again. We know that they're both still in the mix, and then suddenly she has to fly. And given the the physicality of the show, you're not expecting a fly wire. And so it does, it is offbeat, mm. reveal, really. But it's been done with her sitting on two people's shoulders. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, I did it at RZ a few years back, and we, we couldn't fly RZ in the studio, and we just did it with, with a, a tumble, a really a tumble, and mm. everyone had gloves on that were this, exactly the same shape as her. So she, we, we formed like an arch, like a wedding arch, and she was going along underneath, but we saw her jump on the lights, then it just lit the hands. Yeah. And this pair of hands went down, and then the next person's pair of hands came up and went down, and the next person's pair, and then she appeared at the front of the tunnel of people. And it sort of worked, you know, yeah. on its own terms it worked. When did you get the idea to actually make Wait a Bit your hook for the new song? I guess um, that would have been, it was after, Sally Ann Triplett sang Something's Never Changed At All, which was the song we did in Junior's production at And that was in May. 89. So sometime between May 89 and autumn of 90, I had the idea of Wait a Bit. And I, just, I went back to Kipling mm. and, you know, we always described as living in the Wait a Bit Thornbush and in my rewrite of the script, I really flagged that up with a many more Wait, wait a Bits because that was, it was sort of a, a new thought. And um, I guess it seemed obvious that she'd have a song called Wait a Bit if that's going to be her, her slogan. Mm. But, but it, yeah, it's all, it all fell into place quite quickly at that point. But we had we'd kind of given up, you know. When when Spielberg had got through two screenwriters and it wasn't happening, and then Amblimation dissolved, and they formed DreamWorks SKG, and um, Jeffrey Katzenberg didn't want any of the projects that Spielberg had initially set up with Amblimation to be carried forward. We knew that the film wasn't going to happen, and I I'd, I'd actually gone to New York to work a little bit with Christopher Duran, who was the the third screenwriter who was going to come on board to meet him and talk to him about the show, and but I. He, you know, I started rewriting the stage play. And I came back on the aeroplane. This must have been, goodness knows how long ago, 92, 93. Came back on the, it probably was around then. Came back on the plane and I read what I'd come up with and I couldn't tell whether it was good or bad. And I didn't show it to George, I didn't show it to Cameron. I just thought, well, it's there in a folder if ever we revisit just so. And then well, there was one time in the late 90s, was it? That, or was it early? Early, early, around 2000, 2001, somewhere around there, Cameron asked us down to his house to talk to us about um, the possibility of Mary Poppins. And this was the very, very first conversation after we had first heard about it. It was something, it might have been in the 90s, we heard about, we heard we'd, about we'd done, Poppins we'd done in 93. Wanted, yeah. And we had the success and wanted to go to North Shore and you said, I want to direct it, because I yeah. looked through my old stuff and I quite liked it. That's right, that's what it was. And you showed it to me and I went, this is fantastic, why the bloody <laughs> hell didn't you show it to me three I mean, years I, ago? I, I really lost focus, I just said, I, it was different. I didn't know it was good or bad, it was just different. And so we went to talk to Cameron ostensibly about um, the possibility of doing Mary Poppins, but he said, oh, no, I want to get just so out. And that's when I got this fold round, and they, they both liked it. So I said, right, well, I'll finish writing it in that vein. And, um, and then we did it in, 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 in Massachusetts. And I think as a, when you direct your own theme, 
when I direct my own thing, a different part of my brain kicks in. And if something's not working, I can no longer as a writer say that's the director's problem, mm. or that's the writer's problem. It's suddenly all my problem. <laughs> and we cut a song, didn't we, in rehearsal. Mm. Discuss it, it's not working. It's, it's, it's holding the show up. We need to it would never happen with someone else. No, 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 I'd have been really, really tricky if it had been someone else asking me to cut the song. But when it was me saying, actually, this doesn't work, and no matter how you rebuild it, it's an extra song that we don't need at this point in the story. And I remember one of the problems with that song, it, it was when the elephant's child gets caught by the leopard and the jaguar, who have already got the colo-colo bird being roasted Trusted, on a barbecue. Yeah. And in Mike Cochran's production, we had this wonderful effect that she was, for some bizarre reason, in the middle of the jungle, she was tied to railway lines and a train comes towards the audience. And it was such a great moment that we were desperately trying to engineer any means possible to get this train onto the stage. And it just didn't belong. <laughs> so ultimately, we did away with it. But um, it's very, it, we're both tarts like that. If you, if you do something in a production and it gets a good reaction, you want to hang on to it. And you, if you're not careful, you end up joining the dots between the bits that people liked rather than actually being a dramatist. Mm. He made me feel I could so